98 degrees at least that day on the bridge of the Americas. That's the bridge that that goes from Juarez into uh, uh, El Paso or El Paso into Juarez, depending on your your perspective. But on the asphalt, the black asphalt that had been soaking up the the, the hot rays of the sun all day long, it, it had to be 110, 115, maybe even higher degrees that that day. Uh, and on top of that, there was the the hot, uh, choking exhaust of hundreds of cars that were packed on the bridge because cars were five lanes wide, bumper to bunk, bumper, just crawling across the bridge to get back into the U.S. I can't imagine a worse place to be, but that's where he was when I saw him. Now, he wasn't alone. There were lots of other people walking uh, between the lanes of traffic that day. There, there, there were a lot of people trying to sell stuff. There were guys selling pop and uh, guys selling uh, uh, cactus fruit and all sorts of... You could buy windshield wipers on the bridge going into back in the USA, uh, cigarettes, magazines. There, there were people wanting to wash your windshield, even wanting to wash your car, uh, among other things. You could buy a statue... Of, uh, of Mother Mary on the bridge. I guess if you wanted to pray to her while you were sitting there hoping your lane would move faster. You could buy all kinds of stuff, but, but my eyes were drawn to him because he was laying on the asphalt between two lanes of traffic, holding up a cup and crying for help. I, I couldn't take my eyes off him, of him, but, but I didn't want to hear his cries. We see them all the time. We probably see them just about everywhere we go, not just in Juarez, but in St. Joe. You can pull up to a street corner and you'll find someone there with a sign. Or or if you're in Kansas City or Chicago or just about anywhere you go, you see they're, they're holding up signs that say, help me, maybe a sign that says, I'm a disabled vet or I'm, I'm hungry, can you give me food or uh, we'll work for food. Some of them are even br- brutally honest. says, I need money for booze. But you see them there. We, we oftentimes pretend they don't exist. When, when I see one in a stoplight, oftentimes I, I look the other way and I impatiently wait for the light to turn from red to green so I can go on by because, because I don't want to hear their cry for help. Um, the visual image is powerful. You're flipping through, through the television and, and you come across the, the scene and, and they're, they're different, but they're also so very similar. They, they have pictures there. There'll be a picture of a little child and, and their eyes will be matted shut or they'll, they'll have tears streaking down the face or their bellies will be bloated because of, of hunger or there'll be flies that are, that are sitting on their face. And, and oftentimes I change the channel quickly because, because, because I don't want to see it, but that image is seared in your mind and, and it's hard to ignore the cry for help. Well, that was his life. Every day was the same. People, people would look, but they didn't really see him. They would walk past. Oftentimes, even though he couldn't see, he could hear enough to know that they were walking past on the far side of the road, pretending that he wasn't there. They, he knew that they were hearing his cries for help, but they, they were more times than not simply ignoring it. His presence, instead of invoking empathy and compassion, oftentimes, uh, in, invoked apathy and maybe even an annoyance. And, and I've got to believe on this day it was even more frustrating. 
because the number of people that were walking by him had had grown exponentially. Probably two to three times the number of people were, were walking past. And, and there was a different air. There was a different feel about it because there was almost a, a sense of celebration, a sense of excitement, a, a sense of rejoicing there because they were headed to the, the festival. They were on their way to Jerusalem for the Passover and there was excitement. He, he could hear their conversations and, and their conversations about, about sacrifice. There were conversations about what God had done. There were conversations about connecting with God and probably conversations between parents and children. Maybe it was their first Passover and they were explaining and he could hear all of this. It was the holy season and yet people continued to stream by. It was more of the same. A lonely existence, unseen, unheard, unimportant. But there was, there was good news coming. There was good news coming because Jesus Jesus heard his cries. If you have your Bible, turn with me in Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at a story here in Mark 10 uh, about this, this guy, this blind guy named Bartimaeus that, that had, a, had a, a conversation with Jesus, had an encounter with Jesus. Look at, uh, if you will, in chapter 10, starting with verse 46, running down to the end of the chapter. Then they came to Jericho. Jesus was on his way, had been in Galilee. We've been preaching from, from Mark for, for, uh, for, for quite a bit of time. And most of the, the stories that we've talked about, Jesus has been in Galilee. But now Jesus on his, is on his way from Galilee down to Jerusalem. And, and he made his way through Jericho. And they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd, we've talked about that before, always large crowds, were leaving the city, a, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus uh, on the road. Uh, There's good news. Jesus heard his cries. And and he heard his cries in spite spite of the people. Uh, We're told there that there was a large crowd as uh, as as Jesus was traveling from Jericho, uh, it was about 18 miles from there on into Jerusalem. There was a large crowd, as often was the case. There would have been the 12 with them, probably disciples that had followed Jesus from Galilee on their way to the Passover meal. And, and not just that, but ones that had heard about Jesus and said, you know what, we're going to go with him as well. And, and through every city that they traveled, they picked up more and more people. So in Jericho, they picked up even a larger crowd. And as, as that crowd is walking through, uh, walking through Jericho on their way out, out there, there were people everywhere. And, and I imagine it was tough for Jesus to hear this guy. So in spite of all the people, in spite of the noise, now I imagine they were listening to Jesus talk, so there wasn't a lot of conversation going on, but you get a crowd together, I don't care who's talking, there's going to be people talking in the background. There's going to be people, people whispering in the background. Now, the guys on the front row are pretty good about not talking during my sermon. But you guys that sit in the back, you can talk and I don't hear you. So I know you do that. So it's okay. 
Because they probably did that with Jesus. So they were talking. Now, not only that, but there, there were probably some of them on donkeys. Some of them were bringing their own lamb to be sacrificed. So there was a ton of noise as Jesus was, was heading out of, uh, of Jericho on his way to, G, uh, on, on his way to Jerusalem. But Jesus heard the guy's cries. Last September, Rita and I went to, uh, uh, to Seal Beach, California. That's where her mom had lived for a number of years before she moved in with us and then passed away. And so we went back out there to just kind of remember. Now, she didn't pass away because she moved in with us. Let me get that straightened out. But we, we went back to, because we loved Seal Beach, we went back just kind of remember and, and really kind of in honor of her mom. And, and uh, we, we went downtown, and we'd often go when we went downtown, we'd walk on the pier. Well, Rita was in, uh, in the shop, so she would go, you can never have enough Seal Beach t-shirts or sweatshirts. So Rita was going to get her annual uh, Seal Beach t-shirt and sweatshirt and flip-flops from California. And she's shopping. So I go out on the pier. And I'm standing on the pier. And I, I, I stand. And if you look one way to the left, you see people, kids mostly boogie boarding. If you look to the right, there's people surfing and a lot of families playing in the surf. And so, so I'm just standing on the pier watching, watching the crowds. And I heard it. A small child, probably two, three years old, something like that. I heard a small child start to cry. Uh, it, it cried and then it, it hollered out, Mom! Now I don't know what had happened if, you know, its toy got in the water, if it fell down. I, I didn't see that. But when I heard it cry, I looked and I, I saw the child and, and he's standing there crying and yelling for Mom. And, and after I identified the child and realized, oh, there's no major thing going on here, I, I, I kind of scanned the crowd. And it didn't take long to figure out which one was the mom. A lot of people looked, but there was only one person that jumped into action. See, there was a mom that knew that cry. Because there was a lot of moms. That, I mean, there was a lot of ladies that had the title mom, but there was only one that knew that voice. There was only one that recognized that voice. That mom dropped what she was doing, and, and she wasn't too far away, ran the 10 or 15 feet over to to see what the what was wrong with the child. In John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Uh, later, or, uh, earlier in that passage, it says that he, he calls his sheep by name. Jesus, in other words, Jesus knows us, and he knows our cry. He knows our voice. Even though there were people all around, and there was a lot of noise and a lot of activity and crowds, Jesus heard this guy in spite of all the people. And he heard him in spite of his position. See, this guy was laying on the ground. Uh, probably what he was doing was sitting there, and he had his cloak, which would have been his outer robe, his outer coat. He had his probably had his cloak laying on his lap. And as he and as he cried cried out for help, as people walked by, and he probably was saying the same thing over and over again: "Alms for the poor. Can you help the blind man? I need money." Whatever he was saying. People would walk by and toss coins, and they would toss the coins into his cloak. He would, he would hear the coins clank together as they, they hid in that, that cloak. So he was laying on the ground. And I believe in this passage that Jesus didn't see him, that he just simply heard him. Now, this is not me. I'm not describing myself here, but I've heard that there are guys like this. Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're in the living room in your recliner. You're watching a ball game. You're watching a movie. You're whatever's going on, and your wife says something. I've heard that sometimes guys will ignore their wives. Celeste, does, does he do that? Case Brian, okay, no, no, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting too uh, up and down and aside. Uh, I've, I don't do that, but I've heard that guys will do that. Now, now, now you, you can ignore your wife for a while if she's in the room, but eventually, eventually that's not going to work. You can't, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to have to react. <laughs> do we have ushers? <laughs> now, now, it's a whole other story if she's in a different room. I hear, uh, this is what I hear. Uh, if she's upstairs or she's in the kitchen and she's not there with you and she hollers, and you're right in the middle of the ball game. I mean, uh, Musaka's is up and bases are loaded and it's a six-inning Sonic, Sonic Slam, Sonic Slam, Sonic Slam inning. And, or, or you're watching a movie and it's a pivotal moment and, and she hollers from the other room. I mean, I can, I mean, I hear guys can ignore their wives almost indefinitely if they're somewhere else. Jesus, um, now, just just so you know, that is me. <laughs> she was, that's why I wasn't looking at her. That is me. Uh, most examples of most examples of, of of Jesus helping people, they came to him. Remember when he healed the leper? It was kind of cool about that story. Is he reached down and touched the leper, but the leper came and fell at Jesus' feet. Uh, earlier in uh, in Mark chapter eight, they were in Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man to Jesus. But they brought the blind man to Jesus. I preached a sermon uh, about the uh, paralytic that, that his friends took him to Jesus. And they tore open the roof and dropped him down. They dropped him right there in front of Jesus. Jesus couldn't just ignore him. The guy was hanging right there. A while back we talked about uh, Jairus and, and his daughter was sick. And, and, but he came right to Jesus and, and pushed his way through the crowd and, and fell at Jesus' feet and asked Jesus to do something about it. Jesus could have ignored Bartimaeus here because he didn't see him. The crowd was all around. He heard him, but he didn't see him. He could have just kept on going. Now, now here at the church, we get, we get, uh, we get people asking for help all the time. And, and it comes in one of three ways. Sometimes we get letters. Someone will send us a letter saying, hey, can you help with this project? Can you help with this situation? Sometimes people will call on the phone and say, hey, here's my situation. Can can the church help me? Or sometimes people knock on the door and they come over in the offices face to face and they ask, now, which one do you think is the easiest to ignore? The letter. I mean, you want to build an orphanage for poor children? Man, that tugs in my heart, but I can throw that away and it doesn't really bother me too much. On the phone, that's a little bit harder, but, you know, I can take a name and number. Well, I'll check and get back to you. Like, that's not going to happen. But man, when people are in my face, when they're right there, and, and you see the you see the hurt, and and you can realize that whatever they're asking for is real. I mean, you know, there's a situation. Man, it's hard to say no when someone's right there. Jesus didn't see this guy. He could have just kept on going, and no one would have thought um, uh, a second thought. And and Jesus heard this guy's cry in spite of. His purpose, Jesus' purpose. Uh, I, I mentioned this last week. I've already mentioned it in the sermon once. We'll see if you're, anyone was paying attention. Where was Jesus headed as he was leaving Jericho? Jerusalem, thank you. And what was going to happen when he got to Jerusalem? He was going to be crucified. This was the end of his ministry. He was going to Jerusalem. There was going to be a triumphal entry a week later. Or a few days later, he was going to be crucified. 
In other words, Jesus had a couple things on his mind. There was a couple things happening in his life. There was some, uh, some important stuff going on. And who could fault him if, if he's thinking about all the pressure of what's going to happen, all the importance of, of what his ministry is coming to a head? Who could have faulted him if he didn't, if he didn't react to one guy's cry for help? He could have easily Number one, buttoned up his ears and not even heard him. And possibly another way of looking at it is Jesus could have said, you know, I don't have time for this. The, the, the number of hours that I have to teach, the number of hours and opportunities I have to impart uh, uh, wisdom and, and learning to people is, is dwindling quickly. I don't have time to stop and deal with this. I need to keep on preaching. So, so no one would have thought a second thought. We wouldn't even dis- discuss this had Jesus heard the cries, and just ignored them and kept on going. But he did hear the cry. Now, now there's some obvious, and let me touch these and we'll move on. There's some obvious applications there. First of all, it, it, Jesus hears our cry. If he can hear the blind man on, on, the, on the road to Jerusalem, he hears our cries. When, when our hearts are hurting, when we're, when we're blinded by by sin in our life, when we're blinded by pain and heartache in our life, Jesus hears our cry. There, there's no cry that we send His way that, that, that goes unheard. Psalm 61, verses 1 to 3 says this, Hear my cry, O God. Uh, th- this is a comment of, uh, of request, but it really is also a statement of faith. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my foe. Jesus, number one application, one, number one lesson that we can get from this is Jesus hears our, hears our cry. And then the obvious one then is that we need, and we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go on, we need to hear others cry. Church, I think we've been doing a great job here recently, uh, and, and people stepping up and, and, and really taking part and, and getting excited about opportunities to serve. Uh, uh, Haven House, and I appreciate everyone that that helped out recently with with that, and has helped out over the last five months. But 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 Haven House, uh, Caden's Closet is is spinning up and getting ready to go here here next weekend. We're going to start accepting donations. Uh, open officially the end of June. Already have helped two families, and we're not even open yet. Uh, meals that we've done for for the courthouse and for the school. Uh, we got a group going to Mexico in in about six weeks. Uh, we got several that have volunteered to be a part of Doves. We have some some cool stuff that's happening because we're we're realizing that we need to see other people. We need to hear other people's call. Keep your eyes open to the needs that others others have. Jesus heard his Christ. Here's the second thing we see in verse 49. The crowd helped with the call. If you have your Bible still open, look there. Jesus stepped up and said they had just they had just rebuked this guy and told him to be quiet. Uh, quit hollering at Jesus. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man to the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Uh, the crowd helped with the call. Jesus heard and then called Bartimaeus to him, but he used the crowd to do it in spite of their rebuke. <laughs> they had just finished. Some of them had just finished yelling at this guy. They had just finished telling him to be quiet. They had just finished saying, would you shut up? 
And then they, what'd you say, Jesus? And they had to kind of eat a little crow and say, oh, uh, your lucky day. The master wants to talk to you. In spite of their rebuke, Jesus used the crowd for the call. The question always pops up with me with stuff like this is why? Why, why were they rebuking this guy? Possibly, possibly it was just annoying. I mean, they're walking along and this guy, I imagine it started out that almost monotone, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, help the blind man. But then he heard that it was Jesus. The Gospel of Luke, when it tells this story, says that, that he heard, he knew something was going on and he asked them what was happening. And someone told him, well, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Uh, so he heard that it was Jesus. And even this blind man in Jericho knew who Jesus was. So he began now, instead of doing this monotone, help the blind guy, he began yelling, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And, and, and so maybe that was just annoying. This guy hollering and they're walking along. I don't, who wants to hear someone yell? You guys have been there before, haven't you? You've been at a basketball game, a football game, and there's someone behind you yelling. They're yelling at the players and they're yelling at the refs and no one in Troy or, or over in Hyde ever yells at the coaches, but I've heard other schools do that, and they're yelling, and sometimes that's annoying. You turn around, Mom, would you be quiet, please? And, uh, but that happens. So maybe that's it. Maybe they're just simply annoyed. But you know what I think is, I think it's deeper than that. I, and I can understand this, and I can factually even, uh, I can even appreciate this. I, I, I think they told him to be quiet because they couldn't hear. The ones that were around him were on the outside of the crowd, most likely. And they were wanting to listen to Jesus. And this guy was hollering. And when they rebuked him the first time, it says that he rebuked, or that he began to shout even louder, even more. So when they said, be quiet, he got even louder. And, and I think it was they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Jesus was teaching and, and walking as he taught and and I think they were justified, and I can understand, they were justified in hey, would you be quiet? I'm trying to listen to the teacher. He has life-giving words of truth. I don't want to miss a single word of his inspired teaching. Will, will you be quiet? Right in the middle of them rebuking him to be quiet. So, so they could hear the lesson of Jesus. Jesus stops and teaches them a lesson. Right in the middle of saying, be quiet. We've got to hear this lesson of Jesus. Jesus teaches them uh, an important lesson. The Christian walk that, 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 we're, that we struggle with is, uh, is a, oftentimes a dance between, between three areas of our Christian duty. We, we are called to obey. We're called to listen to Jesus. We're called to study his scripture and know. We're being situations like this and open the, our, our Bibles on our own time. We're we're called to obey. We're also called to worship. We're, we're called to, 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 to worship our Savior. And, and, and we're also called to serve. Sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is be obedient. Sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is listen to the words of Jesus. It's to simply let the teaching of Jesus come into our hearts. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do is to worship His name. The, the greatest thing we can do is look at His great creation and, and just give Him praise for that or Look at the blessings we have in life and give God praise for that. And sometimes the greatest thing we can do is to serve. Now remember this text comes right on the heel of Mark chapter 10. We preached on this last week. 
Mark chapter 10, verse 45, when Jesus described his purpose in coming. Remember what he said in verse 45? You have Bibles, you can look at it. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give us life as a ransom. So right on the heels of him saying, my purpose was to serve, he stops uh, and and he hollers to the ones who had been rebuking this guy. He hollers to the crowd and he uses them to help with the call. It was no accident that Jesus used the crowd. They must have also realized the irony that in one moment they're rebuking and in the next moment they're calling. In one moment they're telling him be quiet and in the next moment, the one that they were ignoring, Jesus noticed. Uh, we saw that happen earlier in chapter 10 of Mark. Uh, some people were bringing, ladies were bringing children to Jesus, and his disciples began to rebuke them. And it says Jesus became indignant. He became upset with them. You know, let the kids come to me. And he, and he took the children and he blessed them in his arms. Oftentimes, Jesus uses those situations to teach us a lesson. Here, here we see a secondary lesson, although... I'm not so sure it's secondary. Maybe this is the whole point of this whole passage. That Jesus wants to teach us a powerful lesson in this story. And here's what the lesson is. Here's what Jesus wanted to teach them. Uh, I don't think I've got a a place for you to write this down, but write it down. Here's what Jesus wanted them to know. Why didn't you? Why didn't you? Now, I appreciate you hanging on my every word. I appreciate that you want to listen to what I say. But I wonder if what Jesus was really trying to teach was, why didn't you notice him? Why didn't you have compassion for him? Why didn't you bring him to me? They should have seen Jesus. They should have been moved with compassion and wanted to bring this guy to Jesus. They should have wanted to connect the hurting with the healer, but they missed the point. Instead of wanting to hear the message of the teacher, Maybe they should have wanted to act on the teacher's message. Instead of hearing the words of Jesus, maybe they should have wanted to practice the works of Jesus. Instead of wanting to listen to Jesus, maybe they should have wanted to love like Jesus. Jesus was saying, don't ignore the cries of those who need me. I want to use those cries. Don't ignore the hurting. In in his book, when a nation forgets God, uh, Erwin Lutz, Lutzer tells tells a story about a, a Christian who lived uh, in Nazi Germany in the, in the late 30s and uh, early 40s, and, and and he tells this story. He said we we lived in Nazi Germany, and and yet our eyes were often closed. He said we would we would go to church, and in our small little church, there was railroad tracks that ran behind the church, and and you could hear the whistle in the distance of the train. And, and, and then after the whistle, you could begin to hear the wheels of the, uh, of the cars as they clanked along the track. And, and, and as it passed by the back of the church, you could hear the train. He said, we, we were there one Sunday morning, and we heard the whistle, and we heard the wheels of the car. But this time, instead of just hearing the wheels, we, we heard cries. And, and at first, we didn't know what it was. It was only weeks later that we realized what, what the cries were. Those were the Jews that the Nazis had herded in like cattle into these cars, and they were the cries of the Jews as they were being taken from their homes to concentration camps, to death camps to be exterminated. And he said every Sunday morning, we, we would get to the point where we regretted, we, we, we just hated to hear the sound of that whistle. 
Because the whistle would blow, we'd hear the sound of the wheels, and then we would hear the cries. And, and so we, we, we decided that when we heard the whistle, we would start singing. So the whistle would blow every morning about the same time on a Sunday morning. The whistle would blow, and they would begin to sing their hymns. And as the, the sound of the wheels clanked closer and closer, they would sing louder and louder. And if they could still hear the cries of the, of, of the, the Jews in the cars, said we would sing at the top of our lungs. And eventually... We didn't hear their cries anymore. The gentleman goes on to say, after the war, we never talked about it. We never spoke about it again. But he said, when I lay my head down and close my eyes at night, I can still hear the whistle. I can still hear the cries. And I ask myself, God, will you forgive me? Because I did nothing. Who is the Bartimaeus in your life? Who's the one hurting that you can connect to the healer? Church, who's the Bartimaeus in our world, in our church world? Who who are we ignoring so that we can learn more about Jesus? Now, I'm I'm not suggesting that we don't learn about Jesus. I'm not suggesting that we don't come together and study. I'm not suggesting that at all. but, But are the people that we are ignoring, are the groups that we are ignoring, that really Jesus wants us to be more like him instead of learning more about him. The crowd helped in helped with the call in spite of the rebuke. They also helped with the call in spite of his refusal. They told him to be quiet, and and the scripture says he yelled even more. I imagine that ticked him off. Man, if I told someone to be quiet, I'm trying to listen, and, and they got even louder. Man, I'm sure they were upset. So, so they were mad when Jesus stopped and yelled at them, hey, tell him to come. I, I, I want him to come over here. So can you imagine? They are upset. They're, they're maybe just getting ready to holler at him again. And Jesus said, hey, tell him to come here. Now, now here's just kind of a simple point. Uh, Jesus used the crowd to call him. He, they helped with the call even though they had a bad attitude, even though their hearts were, 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 were in the wrong place, God or Jesus still used them for the call. Let me just point this out. Church, if, if we stay close enough to Jesus, if we stay close enough to him, if we stay close enough to his teaching, sometimes God can use us even if our attitude is bad. Even if we're not seen straight, even if our attitude is kind of screwed up, if we're messed up, if we're close enough to him, God can sometimes even use us just like he did these guys when, when our attitude is bad. Uh, and here's the last point. It's kind of, kind of interesting. We could easily miss this as having some, some importance. But look at verse 50. Uh, after they said, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Verse 50 says this, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, now that seems kind of benign, like that means nothing. Okay, he threw his coat over. But, but I want you to understand exactly what happened there. When, when he jumped up, because I said before that he probably had, he probably had his, uh, his cloak over his lap and people were tossing coins, uh, in, in his lap. So, so he heaved his cloak. He threw his cloak aside in spite of the risk. And the risk was he was going to lose his money. The, the money that they had been tossing in, into his cloak, he jumped up and he took his cloak, including the coins, 
and toss them to the side. Let me let me illustrate that. Let me see if it's gonna if it's gonna work. See what happens here. Let me just see what happens here. Oh, it didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I was waiting for you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I try. It wouldn't go that far. And notice I didn't throw it to you because you wouldn't stand up and help me last week. I should have given it to you, shouldn't I, Colton? Yeah. Yeah. No, you keep it. If you don't want it, put it in an offering. I don't care. I'm going to send, put, turn a bill into the church for uh, $8. I know. <laughs> it was a risk. Because when he stood up, he had no idea really what was going to happen. He, he just lost whatever he had made. But he didn't care. He, he took the risk. He faced rejection. He didn't know what Jesus was going to say. And he faced failure. And and he tossed his cloak aside in spite of the possible ridicule. Because notice, and this is kind of odd, because we don't no- normally see this happening either. You know, the, 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 the leper asked Jesus to heal him. Jesus healed him. Jesus didn't ask him any questions. Notice what he said. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? It's kind of an odd question. Pretty obvious. But, but notice that he didn't ask this. Jesus' question wasn't asked with an attitude. In other words, Jesus wasn't about to, to holler at him. You know, what do you want me to do for you? He wasn't going to tell him, you know, you interrupted my sermon. I was, I was on my second point and I was right at the best point and you started screaming. That's not, Jesus didn't do it with an attitude. Jesus didn't ask him with uncertainty. It, it wasn't like Jesus wasn't sure what the guy wanted. What well, do you want to see? Do you want me to give you a, a, a donation? Are you wanting, are you hungry? Are you wanting something to eat? Is that, no. Jesus knew exactly uh, what what he was wanting. He asked with a purpose. And I think Jesus Jesus asked him, what do you want from me? Because he wanted him to boldly ask what he needed. He wanted this guy to boldly say to Jesus just what he did. I want my sight. I want you to know some scriptures. Um, jot them down. You can look them up later. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 there, beautiful section there, but verse 16 ends that section. It says this, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. And wasn't that what this guy was asking? Son of David, have mercy on me. We may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 says, For through him, speaking of Jesus, we have access to the Father by one spirit. So through Jesus, we can go to the Father, he says, and notice what he says later in chapter 3, verse 12. In him and through him, again, Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. One of the lessons he wants us to understand there is that, that Jesus wants us, God wants us to approach him with confidence. Now, sometimes God's going to say no. Sometimes he's going to say wait. Sometimes he's going to say I've got something better for you, so just hang on there for a little bit. But he wants us to come into his presence with confidence. And I think that's why he said to this guy, what do you want me to do? Because he wanted him to state it boldly and then receive what he asked for, his sight. When my middle son Joel was, uh, I think, a senior uh, in college, junior or senior in college, he was 21, I, I know that much, um, uh, during spring break, uh, he and I think it was four of his friends decided they wanted to go to, to uh, 
on their spring break go to Royal Spring Training. They want to go surprise Arizona. Uh, and none of them had cars. I, like I said, I think there was five of them. Was five? If not, better story if there was five. Maybe there was seven of them. No. There was five of them. The, and none of them had a car big enough to, to really travel that far, company with five. So, so, so Joel called, called me and said, Dad, at the time, Reed and I had a minivan. Can we borrow the minivan to drive to Arizona? Now, what could go wrong with five college guys driving to Arizona on spring break? Oh, and by the way, what we found out later, they spent like a day at spring training or maybe day and a half. Two, we'll give them two days. And I think spent three days in Las Vegas. Because Las Vegas is only 500 miles from spring training or something like that. At least it's, they only had to go north. Uh, so they were all 21 and they wanted to do Vegas legally. And so, um, but they played golf and didn't gamble that much. Uh, yeah, they didn't have much money. Three of the other four guys I know had parents that had minivans because we knew them. But it was my son that called me and said, can we take your, your van? Now, there's a lot of things I didn't do right as a parent. But I think one of the things that I did right, that I did do right, was create an environment where they could ask. Now, I might have said no. They, now, they asked me because mom sometimes said no and then changed her mind. Dad always said yes or oftentimes did. But, but, but they asked me because because he knew he could ask me. Even if I said, Joe, you're, you're foolish, you're not taking my car to Arizona. That, that, that's two or 3,000 miles on my car, you bunch of college, and there's no, but he knew he could ask. I, I think that's one of the lessons Jesus wants us to get there, is that we can ask. Three lessons. Three lessons. Jesus hears us. Jesus can use us and wants to use us. And Jesus grants us access. Um, Anthony, uh, I'm, I probably won't get his last name, Bresnikan, that's, I'm going to say that. A- Anthony Bresnikan is a senior writer for Entertainment Weekly. Some of you might have saw this story this week. Uh, th- this past week after the bombing in Manchester, I guess one of the quotes that got, that made its way to the internet and, and, and people, uh, repeated several times and retweeted several times was a quote by Mr. Rogers. Uh, and, and Mr. Rogers had said that his mom taught him whenever, whenever he was scared, whenever he was upset, had told him, always look for the people that are helping. There's always people in times of crisis that help. And, and so this got, this got retweeted several times. So Brez, Bresnikan, uh, told this story and, and, and put a, put a blog post out there. And he told more of the story. And he, he said, Mr. Rogers was the real deal. And, and he told his personal story. He said, when he was in college, he was going through a very difficult time and, and he was kind of lost and just really struggling. And he said, one day I walked into the student union at my college and there was a TV playing and playing on that TV was an episode of Mr. Rogers. And so, so I, he said, I walked in this college student and stood there and watched an episode of Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers is goofy. Especially for a college kid to watch. But he said, I stood there and watched that. And, and it made me feel better. Suddenly some things made sense and I, my, my spirit just kind of calmed down. He said it was about three or four days later he was back in the student union 
and, and he punched the, the button on the elevator and the doors opened up and when they did, standing in the elevator was Mr. Rogers. He said he stepped in the elevator and, and as he did, he just kind of looked at him and he kept glancing at him. You know, like, is that really Mr. Rogers? Probably the sweater gave it away. And, uh, and, and he kept looking at him and finally Mr. Rogers noticed that and said, well, are you one of my TV neighbors? And, uh, and so Bresnikin said, oh, yes, yes, I am. And, and then he told him the story. He said, well, like I tell you, just a couple of days ago, I was in the union. I saw an episode of Mr. Rogers, and I was really struggling. It made me, made me feel better. I just wanted to tell you that. And he said, Mr. Rogers, as they started to get off the elevator, said to him, well, what was going on that made you struggle? What was going on that had you in a bad place? Bresnikin said, I stood there outside the elevator telling Mr. Rogers my story. He said, at that time in my life, I had no one that I could talk to, no one that I could share my heart with, no one that I could lay stuff out and lay my problems out. And, 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 and Mr. Rogers, who probably most of you knows, was, an ordained, was a Christian, an ordained minister, he said, I stood there with Mr. Rogers and I, I told him my story. And, and he said, when it was over, I apologized. I said, said, I'm sorry, Mr. Rogers. I'm sure there was some place that you needed to be. I hope I didn't get you in any trouble. He said, Mr. Rogers said this to him in closing. Sometimes you are in just the right place. My prayer is that God will put you in the right place. Jesus could have ignored Bartimaeus. He could have not heard him because he didn't see him. But he heard him and offered to help. May God put people in our paths. May God use you to be a blessing to someone. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that we can be in your house. Father, we thank you that that we can learn lessons from Christ, that we can learn that you want to use us, that you hear us. And and Father, that we can approach you uh, with boldness and confidence and strength. Lord, I pray that you'll open doors. Put us in just the right place. Father, your, your teaching and the teaching of Jesus is important, but sometimes what you really want us to learn is to put that teaching into practice, that you want us to hear the one that's crying. You want us to hear the one that's hurting and reach out to them. Lord, bless us this morning. Bless us as a church and help us have, a, have ears to hear and eyes to see those that need you in Jesus' name. Would you stand, please? Jesus is calling us to to be like Him. To love like Him. To forgive like Him. To serve like Him. Jesus described Himself as, as one who came not to be served, not to have people do for Him, but to do for others. Jesus called us to be a servant. Uh, would you be like Him?